Well, hey there. Welcome back to an all new episode of Not Another Horror Podcast. It's so great to see you guys again. Now, in the last episode, we talked about Valentine's Day killings. Fun. But I have heard some of your concerns. And, you know, I've been thinking the same thing. I think this podcast so far has had, well, this season, has had way too many true crime episodes. Like, we get it. People got murdered. So in the episodes that will be coming after this, we will be getting into a little bit more supernatural. But for the coming up episode, we're going to try and solve a mystery. And that mystery is, who put Bella in the witch elm? And if this is your first time here, I'm your host and curator of all things strange and unexplained, Anthony Rossetti. And you're listening to Not Another Horror Podcast. There's something about unsolved cases that just sticks in our brain. Especially when the circumstances are very odd. If you watched the new Netflix Unsolved Mystery or if you watched the original, you would know just how not knowing why can keep you up at night. Well, this story is from 1943. The skeleton of a woman was found inside the hollow trunk of a witch elm. The case of who put Bella in the witch elm is a story that starts out as a seemingly straightforward slaying until it diverges into theories of occult rituals, spy rings, and espionage. Do I have your attention? The case remains a mystery in part because, well, the police files were sealed. The authorities considered the case open even after the better part of a century. Why hasn't Bella undergone DNA testing? Why can't her remains be examined to bring closure? The answer to these questions and others are every bit as surreal as the initial discovery, which makes solving the case nearly impossible. You see, on an April afternoon in 1943, a woman's remains were discovered by a group of teenage boys who were wandering through Hagley Woods near Birmingham, England. Bob Farmer, Bob Hart, Fred Payne, and Tom Willits were in the woods looking for animals to hunt, since they were unable to survive on their World War II food rations. In their search for food, Bob Farmer spotted a witch elm and thought he'd find some bird eggs inside its hollow trunk. Instead, 
Farmer and his friend pulled out a human skull, prompting them to run away in terror. Although the boys swore one another to secrecy following their gruesome discovery, Tom Willett soon told his parents about the skull. His parents in turn called the police and Hagley Wood quickly transformed from a quiet forest to an active crime scene. Police pulled not just a skull, but also an entire female skeleton from the witch elm. The only thing missing was a hand and further investigation revealed a trail of finger bones scattered around the tree. Police also found clothing, remains, a shoe, and costume jewelry on and around the remains. Aside from these few clues, there was no solid evidence that could identify the body, and until an autopsy was performed, there was no way of knowing how long it had been hidden inside this witch elm. When local medical examiner Professor James Webster was called in to investigate the scene, he discovered a number of crucial facts about the remains found in Hagley Wood. Webster believed the woman had passed approximately 18 months prior in October 1941, providing police with a pretty specific time frame. Webster also deduced that the woman had met her in close to the scene, since her body would have only fit inside the hollow trunk before the effects of rigor mortis set in. In other words, her body had to have been shoved inside the witch elm while still warm. Webster's findings also indicated that the woman had been 35 at the time of her demise. She had light brown hair and had given birth to one child. Her skeleton measured just five feet in height. While these facts were all crucial to the investigation, determining the exact cause of her end was far more difficult than the authorities had anticipated. Professor James Webster's autopsy ruled out the possibility that the woman took her own life, chiefly because of a single piece of fabric. The fabric remnant was found lodged inside the skull's mouth, indicating that the woman may have been suffocated. This information, in combination with the body's odd placement within the witch elm, assured Webster that someone else was responsible for the woman's demise. One account claimed the boys wrapped a piece of fabric around a stick and inserted it into the skull while trying to pull it out of the witch elm. While the boys may have tampered with the remains before realizing what they were, it's unlikely that any of them had been carrying a straight piece of the fabric which was typically used for women nightgowns or peacoats at the time. Today, forensic dentistry is one of the most effective ways of identifying human remains. This was not the case in 1943, when police painstakingly reviewed dental records across Great Britain in a vain attempt to find the true identity of the skeleton found in Hagley Wood. At the time, dental records were thought to be the key to solving the case because of the skull's distinctive overlapping front teeth. The lack of dental records available at the time, however, was a significant setback in the case. These records also became a point of contention for those who believed that the woman placed in the witch elm wasn't British at all. But perhaps someone with an anti-British agenda. 
Armchair detectives have speculated for decades that a spy mission gone wrong was the real reason the woman was in the witch elm. But if that wasn't weird enough for you, things, as they always do in this podcast, get a little bit weirder. You see, around Christmas of 1943, graffiti appeared on a wall in Birmingham reading, Who Put Lubella Down the Witch Elm? Soon after, a second piece of graffiti appeared in town reading Hagleywood Bella. Both pieces of graffiti seemed to be written by the same person, and more graffiti soon began to appear. Whoever was responsible eventually settled on the question, who put Bella in the witch elm? Police began looking into missing persons cases of anyone whose name contained Bella. Many are still unsure whether the graffiti was just a sick practical joke or if someone knew more than what they were willing to say outright. The first of several theories concerning Bella's identity came two years after the Hagley Wood discovery. Margaret Murray, a philosophy professor and folklorist at University College of London, theorized that the real answer to Bella's end lay in the fact that one of her hands was detached from her body, its fingers scattered around the witch elm. Murphy cited an occult ritual called the Hand of Glory, in which the hand of a person who had perished on the gallows, which Bella had not, could be used for supernatural purposes. Rumors of witches, Sabbaths, and Hagley Wood swirled around the community. They always blame witches. <laughs> and Murray was convinced that Bella had been slain by her coven in a witch trial, while the press and public were enraptured with the story. Police could find no evidence that linked the Hagley Wood remains to Professor Murray's theory. In 1953, a woman told police Bella was taken out by a German spy ring. A decade after the woman now known as Bella was discovered in the witch elm, a woman going by the name of Anna contacted a local newspaper, stating that she had information regarding Bella's demise. Anna was reportedly interviewed by police and she told them that Bella had been a German spy who worked with a British officer among some other colorful characters. Bella apparently got in too deep with the spy ring, resulting in her body getting stuffed inside the witch elm. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems pretty uh, far-fetched. If she was a spy, well, I think they would have better ways of getting rid of someone. But, hear me out. On the other hand, the idea wasn't totally implausible. You see, since there were numerous munitions factories in the area surrounding Hagley Wood that were prime targets for spies during World War II, the media quickly picked up the espionage angle of Anna's story since the Cold War was on everyone's mind in 1953. Funny how history keeps repeating itself. <laughs> Despite continued investigation by police, Anna's claims turned up no evidence to adequately solve this case. Now, I don't speak German, so if I butcher any of these names, please forgive me. German agent Joseph Jacobs claimed that Bella was really a cabaret singer named Clara Barrow. I'm not sure if I said that right. You see, Joseph Jacobs was captured by the Home Guard near Hagley Wood in 1941. 
A German intelligence officer, Jacobs, had parachuted into the area and told the home guard he was to make contact with a woman named Claire Burel. Jacobs explained that Burel had been a German cabaret singer and actress before being recruited as a spy by the Third Reich. After thoroughly interrogating Jacobs, authorities determined that he could not be released and he was slain by a firing squad. Jacobs was the last person to perish at the Tower of London. One question lingered, however. Could the remains found in Hackley Wood be this Clara who never managed to rendezvous with Jacobs? Further research revealed that Clara Burrell was a real person. Plot twist. She was a cabaret singer and actress who had performed in both Germany and England. For a time, it seemed that she vanished without a trace in 1941. With no film credits or concert appearances to be found, she also would have been 35 in 1941, the same age Jane Webster determined the remains in the witch elm to be. However, the release of long-lost German records indicated that Burrell, though real, had perished in Germany in 1942, largely putting this theory to rest. But it didn't stop there. In 1968, Writer Donald McCormick claimed Bella herself was a parachuting spy. Seemingly, every time police thought that the Hagley Wood case had gone cold, a new theory emerged. Author Donald McCormick published a book in 1968 titled Murder by Witchcraft, which examined the Bella case as well as a slaying in Lower Quentin, near the site of the witch elm. McCormick wrote the book after gaining access to classified Abwehr Files Abwehr was a German military intelligence service that operated from 1920 to 1945, and McCormick claimed that during this research, he'd read a file on a spy and an occultist working on the Third Reich, named Clarabella. He determined that Clarabella had parachuted into the area around Hackley Wood and then vanished. McCormick cited that finger bones found around the tree as well as the Lord Quentin slaying where a man was impaled by a pitchfork. Yes, you remember that from a previous episode. <laughs> was proof of occult rituals in the area. While McCormick's account of the events is an odd combination of past theories, it's worth noting that he would not have had access to British intelligence files detailing Joseph Jacobs' claims about cabaret singer Clara Bueller being a spy. Modern-day police want to investigate using DNA, but Bella's final resting place is actually unknown. Modern DNA testing could finally solve this case that took place in Hagley Wood over seven decades ago. But there's one problem, you see. Bella's remains are missing. Yes, <laughs> you heard that right. You see, following the autopsy, Professor Webster gave the remains to a fellow professor, it's unclear when Bella's skeleton went missing from the medical school, but to date, no one has been able to find the remains that might finally solve the case. The closest possible identification of the woman in Hagley Wood may come through a facial reconstruction that I'll post on Instagram for you. But it was done in 2018 in conjunction with a new book about the case. While the technology may provide a hypothetical face, the woman's real name is still unknown. But as recently as 2016, Graffiti has appeared asking who put Bella 
in the Witcham. The graffiti that appeared around Birmingham during the Christmas season of 1943 was by no means an isolated incident. In 1999, an obelisk on the Hagley Hall estate was defaced with a misspelling of the age-old question, who put Bella in the witch elm? The obelisk is now surrounded by barbed wire fencing, and the owner of Hagley Hall, Lord Cobham, sorry if I didn't say that right, <laughs> has said the only reason he hasn't removed the graffiti is his fear that the process would ruin the fragile obelisk. In 2016, someone hung a cardboard sign on the fencing surrounding Hagleywood that asked the same question. While it's doubtful that the person who made the sign has any information about the case, the incident does serve as a reminder that Bella will likely always be remembered. Well, that wraps up our episode for tonight. What do you think happened to Bella? Because most of the theories, I mean, they all could be pretty plausible, except the ones that have already been disproven. What a mystery. But one thing I know, armchair detectives like myself and a lot of other people out there will eventually get down to the bottom of it. <laughs> Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and don't put anyone in a witch home. <laughs>